something you hear all the time with the kids nowadays, before I took the job, you know, all I heard was the kids nowadays, they're, they're soft. They're not as hard nosed as they used to be. And, you know, I think that I've completely went again. I'm completely against that. I think that if you push your guys and show them respect and treat them like a, 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 a young man, they will work as hard as you will work them. for joining us on Ahead of the Curve, your source for the most up-to-date coaching strategies for player and coaching development. I'm Jonathan Gilman. On the show today, we have Coach Breck Draper, head coach at Heritage Hall High School in Oklahoma City. Coach Draper goes into detail about what they do in practice that goes against traditional norms. We also discuss his theories behind what a throwing program should look like and what he believes drives players today. I know you're going to love this episode with Coach Breck Draper. Coach Draper, thank you for joining us on Ahead of the Curve. Yeah, Jonathan, uh, excited to be here and uh, talk a little baseball. Well, I would like for you to first introduce yourself and tell us about your story and why did you get into coaching? Well, I uh, grew up in Shawnee, Oklahoma, and um, I played for Jeff Schaefer for four years, and then I uh, went on to college and played collegiately uh, for John Winty, who is currently the pitching coach now at Texas Arlington. I uh, played for him at Hutchinson Community College in Kansas, and um, and then he got the job at Odessa, Texas, and I kind of followed him down there blindly. But I went and played for Coach Winty down in Texas, and then um, went to Oklahoma State for a year, and then finished my playing career uh, collegiately at UCO in Edmond, uh, Central Oklahoma. And then uh, I was fortunate enough to play three years uh, in the Frontier League with the Gateway Grizzlies out of uh, right outside of, of St. Louis in Soja, Illinois. You know, I got out of out of baseball, got done playing baseball, and uh, you know, when you are on that minor league salary, it tends to take a uh, a toll on your wallet. And I uh, got into the car business and and made a little bit of money. And uh, and then I just kind of I had a family friend that um, I kind of mentored and. And he played baseball at Deer Creek. I helped coach his summer team one summer, and then he decided he wanted to play college baseball. So I took him on a uh, a visit down to Odessa College in the middle of the spring, actually, because uh, he had set out his freshman year of college. So I went down with him, and and I knew the coaching staff down there uh, from a summer team I had played on. And as he was working out in the cages and hitting, they asked me, uh, "Would you be able to hit some fly balls, ground balls?" help us out and so you know i got in there and started hitting fungos and uh i get the truck on the way home and i just immediately knew i had to be back on the baseball field you know at that moment i knew that i had to coach and uh what i was missing out on so um the whole ride back from odessa texas uh i kind of uh, thought about opportunities and, and looked into what i needed to do to start coaching and got a real great opportunity being hired as a head coach without any coaching experience at Heritage Hall, and uh, it's been fantastic for us ever since. So what does it mean to be a Heritage Hall Charger? Mainly, what do you guys stress to your players? Well, our school uh, has a lot of tradition, uh, both off off of the field uh, in the community and the community service that these, these students put in uh, in the classroom. It's tradition-rich. Uh, you know, there's not a senior that leaves Heritage Hall that doesn't go to school somewhere. At a usually at a high level institution academically, and 
And then athletically as well, we've had some fantastic athletes come through. Um, Division One athletes, NFL athletes, uh, and just a high quality of tradition. And so these guys kind of seen that. They go here from kindergarten through 12th grade for the most part, unless they transfer in. And, and they kind of see that growing up, and they've been a part of it. <clears throat> we stress to these guys, um, people are always watching. Um, people are always after you. And uh, to always be doing the right things, you know, on and off the field in the classroom and just make sure you're representing the traditions that have been built because uh, traditions aren't, you know, handed to you. They're earned and, and built and a lot of time and effort went into building those and, and make sure we're just continuing that on and trying to make it better. No, I love that. And basically uh, leave it better than you found it. Absolutely. And, and that's been the case for the last, you know, four years of our program, I believe. So. Well, tell us about those four years, because uh, I know, but I know that the listeners would love to know as well. Yeah, our first year, uh, I came in in 2014 uh, in the summertime, and um, it was, it seems like yesterday, actually, <laughs> but uh, uh, it was a kind of a, a different situation. The year before, uh, they had struggled, and they had let their head coach go in the middle of the season. And my current assistant coach, uh, John Dobbs, took over uh, as the head coach, interim head coach for the rest of that year. And so I came in during the summer and uh, into that 2014 school year. And I, you know, I had I had a guy there that was in charge of the program, and, and then they gave me the job, and and we immediately bonded. Um, he was unbelievable to help. He's almost twice my age, and I know that was hard for him, probably for a younger guy to come in and and take the reins of, of what he was uh, kind of in charge of for the last part of the year. But that was a huge part of, of the transition of, in the coaching for me is of him him being a great assistant coach. And then I hired a, a great pitching coach, Jordan Seymour, who I played college baseball against and uh, I was actually rivals with. Um, we uh, weren't too fond of each other when our playing days, but we became friends uh, shortly thereafter. And, and he came along and was able to take our pitchers and we kind of stepped into a, uh, a situation where we had a good incoming freshman class and a good sophomore class and, uh, you know, some juniors that could play baseball and some seniors that could play baseball and just uh, they wanted a change. And um, I don't know if it was our youthfulness as a staff uh, and energy, but we, uh, we went 28 and 8, set the school record for wins in our first year with a team that just um, absolutely overachieved. Uh, they, the talent level on the field that we that we showed uh, wasn't necessarily the most the most flashy talent you've you've seen, but we just they got after it and they wanted to do well and uh, believed in themselves. And we uh, hosted a regional that first year and actually lost to a very good Jones team uh, just down the road. Jones came over and and we took them to the if game, but uh, we fell short in that regional. But it kind of fueled the fire for the for the next three years and. We've been fortunate to have some great players. I'm not going to discredit that. We've had unbelievable players in our program the last three years that have, you know, made my job a lot easier. And those guys uh, were able to win a state championship in 2015. Uh, they went, I think our record was 34 and four that year. And then uh, the last two years we've been 32 and eight. 2016 we won the state championship again. We moved up to class 4A that year and we were able to uh, get a, find a way to get to the finals and, and, and beat a tough Barry Hill team in the finals in 2015 
And then uh, this year we we kind of had a little bit of a up and down year. Um, back coming off back to back state championship years, and and they knew that they were ready for the playoffs, and uh, <laughs> I think they were kind of waiting on the playoffs to start all year, and had a little bit of a rough patch through the middle part and the end of the regular season, but they really fired it up in the playoffs and uh, got hot, and we made it to the state finals and and lost to a good Bing team. We liked our matchup going in uh, on the mound, but, uh, you know, it's baseball, and the kids understand it a little bit more now that, you know, baseball is uh, the craziest game in the world, and it's kind of what keeps you coming back whenever uh, whenever you're, you lose one like that and uh, you, you wish you could play it again. So, One of the reasons I started the show is because I want to know what successful programs like Heritage Hall do. And so this show is is player development based, and but mainly just to make us better as coaches. And so I'd like to go through a year of team development. Let's start in the fall. What does a typical week look like for you guys? Well, us um, us being a little bit smaller school, we have we have about 330 students, nine through 12, and a lot of those guys uh, play football. Uh, we've had a very successful football program. We just came off of a back-to-back state championships and then we went undefeated the regular season this year and lost our quarterback early in the playoffs uh, one of our baseball guys and, and just came up short in the in the second round of the playoffs this year but uh we've got a very successful football program as well and and basketball as well and uh a lot of those guys um, participate in those sports i actually am a football coach as well in the fall but we have um our, our pitching coach, Jordan Seymour, he, he does an off-season baseball program, and we, we've usually got about 10 to 12 guys, and those guys could be ninth graders that just came in uh, to high school, or they could be you know a couple seniors, and it's a, it's a wide mix of, of kids. So sometimes those, those youngsters are getting to work with, for example, we've got a senior graduating this year, Roman Fansocker. Uh, he's signed to go pitch at University of Arizona next year, uh, but you've got a kid that maybe barely able to walk and chew gum at the same time getting to getting to practice with a guy like that so instantly he becomes better from being around those older guys we lift three times a week in the in the afternoons right after school for about 45 minutes with our strength and conditioning guy and he puts him through the ringer and they'll do uh tuesdays and thursdays they'll do uh, i'm sorry monday tuesday and and thursday they'll lift and then and tuesdays they'll do a speed workout on the track with with our guy and uh they do that for about 45 minutes. As soon as they're done with the weights, they come over to the uh, to the field or the field house, depending on the weather, and uh, they will go through you know a baseball workout. And we do we're allowed 50 minutes of baseball activity in Oklahoma for uh, you know our OSSAA mandated 50 minutes of practice time up until December 1st. So we've got to make the most of that. And from the time they start playing catch or stretching, you know they their their clock starts. So we try to spend one of those days offensively uh spend one of them on some defensive situations and then and and then the third one of those days during the week we do a lot of tech stuff tech uh fundamental work infielders and outfielders and and what we do is we'll put our guys through you know the same drill so if you're an outfielder you may be doing infield drills that day or we may have infielders doing outfield drills if we decide to do outfield stuff that day or or whatever the case may be, but everybody goes through that, and we feel that, you know, in the fall, if we can have guys working on different things and not just be comfortable with what they want to do, but putting them outside their comfort zone and 
taking a shortstop and putting him in the outfield or taking an outfielder and putting him at second base and, and working him just to open their their ability to adapt to whatever may need to be done in the spring in the lineup. And then on Thursdays, we have uh, our game day. We just compete, and we play a different sport, not baseball. We will play flag football. We'll play kickball. Um, we'll play wiffle ball. I guess you can call that baseball. We'll do. We'll play basketball even in the fall. I know some guys are against that, but we'll go through and and play some kind of basketball competition. Uh, you really get to see who likes to compete during that, and that's kind of how we drive competition in practice is is letting them play a different sport that they're not necessarily good at, or they'd probably be playing it at, at school. But uh, you know they they compete and they get out there, and and sometimes you got to break up some skirmishes and and stuff like that, which is fun to watch, but. Coach Seymour pretty much does that. I get down there a couple times a week. And then on Fridays, we just encourage our guys to – the field's open and they can come down there if they want. But Fridays are football game. to go support our program and, and make sure they're ahead of the classroom. So, but they most of them end up coming down the field and working out anyway. Well, perfect. Well, you got into a little bit of what I was about to ask you regarding competition. You guys take Thursday the entire day and just compete at everything. Yeah, we just we'll, we'll divide up into teams and and let the guys pick teams and 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 they may play kickball inside and in our indoor. <laughs> they may play flag football and it ends up playing tackle football before you know it. But we just we just have them compete at something and and want to win and uh, they get after it and it's it's fun to watch those guys you know go play football and they don't want anything to do with it but they don't have a choice that day and and they've got to find a way to compete because there's guys on both teams. Uh, they aren't going to let those guys uh, lose, and, and they want to win, and, and it just kind of drives these guys to compete. Sure, and I, I'm guessing you find out kind of who your leaders are during those sessions? Yeah, you, you see some leadership qualities in those sessions. You also find out uh, mental toughness. You also find out who likes to compete and get after it, who's open-minded to things. Uh, we use that a lot to just have fun and get a get a little break from baseball. Uh, sometimes we need a break from baseball, coaches as well. You know, it's it's fun to just take your mind off of it and do something else to to keep things entertaining because uh, you know things can get monotonous as the as the week goes on for the entire length of the football season and the off season. So we try to spice things up. But yeah, we see leadership uh, out of those guys in that, and then a lot of leadership that we see comes from other sports. You know, 90% of our guys in our program play on the football or basketball teams, and you kind of see those guys build leadership qualities on on the football field. Um, You know, and that translates over to baseball where, you know, if that guy says something, he's got some credibility from where he came from and uh, from the previous season or previous sport, and it kind of translates over. These guys are a really good group of guys together, and I think it's just because of our, our community and the the way all of our coaches uh, do things at Heritage Hall. You know, I love that, and I love that, that you have a ton of multi-sport kids, and it sounds like that's something that, that you push push them to do. Absolutely. I've, I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, I had a kid that, that talked about wanting to maybe not play football this year and work on baseball because he's one of those guys that really, he's on the, on the border of, of playing college baseball and also on a scholarship and, and really needs to work. But, um, if you don't play football, which he's really good at, and you know you don't go play football, you're going to regret this for a long time after this. Whether you go play college baseball and make it to the big leagues, 
or whatever, you're going to regret not playing football. And I think that those other sports also create athletic ability, you know, create toughness, uh, create a sense of team responsibility. Um, so I'm a big proponent of, of playing a lot of sports, uh, you know, the more the better. And, and all of our coaches do a good job of that here at our school. We have to, uh, with the small amount of kids we have, we have to share them and we have to push each other to, uh, to help each other, you know, get guys in, in our sports that need to be there and, and help us out. Sure, you lose a couple guys. Uh, we lost our leading home run hitter his sophomore year, and he wanted to play Division One football and set his time to that. And he and he achieved those goals, and we're proud of him, and uh, we're we're happy that he did that. And but you know, you lose a big piece, but you know, there's guys that have to fill in and step in, and and, and they do that. But uh, us as coaches, uh, all of the coaches here at our school, just really strive to uh, push those guys to play multiple sports, just because. You know, at the end of the day, that's it, it makes you a better person. It makes you a better athlete. So is there anything that you guys do intentionally to just promote uh, growth in the young men or like team building or leadership? Is there anything in particular you guys do regarding that? One thing we do is, is a couple times a year we'll take, especially early on in the, in the, in the wintertime, we'll let our seniors uh, or our leaders, maybe they're not seniors, but we let those guys run practice and we watch and address effort if we need to, but we kind of let them draw up the practice plan, you know, put guys in different groups. They do the whole, the whole shebang and we let them run a couple practices a year. And it really shows you who respects what who says, who's got good ideas. If we see something and we haven't had this, but uh, you know, maybe you see, that this drill is worthless and there's nothing getting done. We don't, we haven't had that because they know they're expected to put on a high level practice with high energy and uh, they really take pride in that. That's one thing we do. I also have the guys fill out a questionnaire at the beginning of the year. Uh, and actually, we just started that this year. So I'm not going to say that we've done that for, for several years, but we have them fill out a questionnaire where they're talking. Uh, we ask them, we ask the guys on the, on the worksheet. You know, who would you view as a leader of the program? And then at the end of that, we take it and, and tally it up. And, and we talk to those guys that were selected as the five top vote getters that, hey, your guys think you're leaders. And, and this year, there was a guy on there that he didn't think that he was a leader, probably. But uh, he, had, he knew that he had to start acting like one because his teammates looked at him as one. And uh, sometimes that's, that's pretty cool to see a guy kind of get out of his comfort zone and, and jump into a leadership role that maybe he wasn't even ready for no that's great and so all fall you're doing football and there you know you talked about your off-season program so is january 1 the starting date uh we're actually able to start december 1 now okay and so take us through kind of what you guys do then and then just throughout the the spring your in season can you just go into some details of what your practices look like then we will start our throwing program uh day uh, actually not day one we'll we'll play catch for a week and let those guys kind of get back in in some throwing shape because you know as, as anybody knows the first day they throw a ball the next two days they can't uh they can't walk straight because they're using muscles they haven't necessarily used if they haven't been doing baseball stuff our day one we talk about communication how do we communicate on relays you know what the, what terminology do we use when calling for the baseball 
What does the guy off of the baseball use back? We go through all of our pre-pitch communications in each situation. So, you know, runner at a bunting situation, runner at first, we talk about what's that pre-pitch communication that goes around the infield. It starts with the third ba- or catcher. The third baseman echoes it all the way around, and, and everybody's talking to outfielders, infielders, and pitcher. Uh, we go through all of our communication stuff. Anything you can communicate about on a baseball field is discussed the first day. Uh, day two, we go over and introduce our bunk coverages, introduce our first and third and first and second defense, our offensive stuff uh, that we do in those situations. We introduce all that stuff on day two, and that's more of a classroom-type setting in the locker room on the whiteboard. Uh, and then we go and walk through, kind of just show some of the new guys, youngsters, uh, this is what this play is, and this is what it looks like when it's ran, so they're not just completely bamboozled. <laughs> day three, we'll kind of start, we'll work on those bunk coverages that we put in and, and defensive uh, situations we put in, and we'll have the younger guys running the offensive side of that so they can kind of get the idea of that. And we try to install all of our plays or signs or defensive setups week one because we don't do, want to do a lot of throwing that week other than playing catch. And it allows us to get a, get lined up properly. And we even go into signs that we use from the dugout to move defender, uh, to move the defense around in the outfield, our hand motions from coaches to players so that they, they're familiar with when I tell you to go, when I have my hand out this way, I want you moving and, and not walking, but moving that way until I hold my hand up and stop you. That's vital to us because we try to, we do a lot of that during games. But we also uh, work on it with our players as well because uh, it's it's now second nature to them in the spring whenever it, it matters and we're not wasting time. Uh, we we believe that communication is huge, and that's been a huge part of our success. Uh, just communicating and knowing where another guy is going to be on the field. No, that's neat that you guys practice that stuff because you know I I feel like that uh, that's obviously an integral part and it's and it's neat that you guys go over that stuff during practice and not just wait till the first scrimmage. Is that something that that you had just learned in the process of doing it, or is that something that you had a coach teach you? Well, I I learned that in junior college from Coach Winty. Uh, he was big on making sure everybody knew where they needed to be, and uh, it's something I learned from him and. You know, I put my own flavor on it, of course, like all coaches should probably do. Don't don't take things and then just copy it. Take it and make it your own. Uh, Coach Gary Ward at Oklahoma State, I really learned a lot from him in that aspect. He said, you know, he was going over some hitting stuff one time and just told us all, just take what I'm giving you and own it yourself as a coach and make it your own. So, um, well, a little bit's pulled from different coaches. Uh, you know, I made it my own, and our, our staff made it our own, you know, and we go from there. But, yeah, communication that first week is just something that, you know, I kind of picked up in junior college, and, and we've kind of made it our own. So now after the first week, uh, what do practices look like? And, and you can either go over just your preseason or in-season or however mm. you want to spin it. Sure. Um I will go back to the first day of practice. This is something that sure. that I'm kind of proud of uh, that we do, and and it, I've gained, I've heard some things about it. But the first day of practice, I learned this from Josh Holiday at Oklahoma State. We do the national anthem. Uh, we learn how to. The first thing we do is learn how to go out to your position for the national anthem. Um, how to 
how to stand at the national anthem and everybody's the same. Uh, we don't move until the song's over. And that's a huge deal to our kids. You know, I'll be honest, two years ago, the first day of practice, we were all excited to get back out there and we kind of almost skipped over it. And we had a senior say, Hey, we've got to do the national anthem first because that's what we did the year before. <laughs> and, uh, and he was right. And we got into it and, and they take pride in that. And, and they talk a little bit about some things beyond baseball during that time and how fortunate, you know, we are to get to do what we get to do because of the people that, that serve. And, and that's our time to kind of respect that. So that's a pretty cool deal for our program. That's kind of become a tradition, uh, day one of practice. And, and then we also work on how to throw the ball around the infield, how to, uh, after the ball game is over, how to come off the field. We shake hands with our guys before we shake hands with the other team. Uh, I've always done that. And, and we hustle through the line. It's no disrespect, but uh, we have our guys finish a ball game uh, for in the field. We finish it a certain way. And, and those are some things we actually work on day one before we get into any baseball stuff. And then, uh, and then we go from there. But so week one, when we, uh, when we start our throwing program week one, we are pretty, we start getting into a little bit of long toss at our size school, we don't have a pitcher only. Uh, we've got position players that pitch and uh, or pitchers that are also playing a position. And so we've got to incorporate the fact that we're going to try to build arm strength, but at the same time that we're building arm strength, we've got to take care of that arm that's going to be throwing the ball across the infield from third or, or throwing on a tag from center field to home. Uh, and so I heard from Rob Walton at Oklahoma State's uh, their pitching coach, who was named the assistant coach of the year last year. Uh, Rob is fantastic. Uh, I really enjoyed his throwing program. And we kind of went off of his throwing program a little bit. And uh, basically every day these guys are are throwing a flat ground at 60 feet or a bullpen at 60 feet. And they're not obviously throwing a bullpen every day. And they're short. And they get, and just each week they, the throws increase, the distance increases, and then – your bullpens increase that way whenever we're ready to start scrimmaging on February 13th or 14th, whatever that day is, whenever that comes around, we're already ready to throw 60 pitches uh, in our first scrimmage with a starting pitcher. And usually we're at our highest velocity right about February when we start scrimmages with our guys after the throwing program. So it's tough because you've got to be cautionary about those guys going through the throwing program and then going and playing shortstop. And especially with a guy like we had with uh, fan soccer, I mean, he's he's our shortstop, but he's 90, 91 on the mound and uh, going to pitch in, in college and, and play infield as well. So uh, you got to be careful with guys like that, that you're not just wearing them down, and, but you are strengthening their arm and, and taking them to that point just before you need to say stop uh, on throwing and, and keeping guys healthy for your year. We've been fortunate and haven't had any uh, arm issues the last four years we've been here. And I think a lot of it has to do with the throwing program that we do. And we make sure they're in shape before they go to the mound. And in that first week, we will do a lot. Those first two or three days, we'll live scrimmage. We just want to see where some guys are. Just see if somebody stands out to us that we're not maybe um, expecting to, to be a player. Maybe someone sticks out that says, you know, maybe this guy's got a chance to really help us. Uh, we, we do that with, uh, either a pitching machine on the mound or a, one of us coaches throwing, uh, off of the mound with an L screen in front. We always have a pitcher playing behind live. So it's live defense and, 
if it's hit off the screen, it's a live ball. <laughs> Figure out a way to get an out. <laughs> Some of those guys kind of enjoy that whenever uh, they square one up off the screen and it ricochets into foul ground. We still play it live. It turns into some, some fun sometimes, but we just scrimmage for the, about the first two or three days, if weather pending, of course, and kind of get after it and compete. And then, uh, you know, start going over live situations. We do a lot of live situations in practice. Uh, we set that up with, you know, we'll take the outfielders out of the equation. And if you're able to, um, my pitching coach will get on the mound and I'll have a bat in my hand and he'll throw it up there. And I kind of play pepper over the infield and, and the outfielders are running live base running, and they're doing live in-game base running stuff at, a, at full speed so that our infielders are getting a look not at a ninth grader running down the line uh, that it's not going to be a varsity-type athlete. you know. And then we'll put the varsity guys in there with the JV guys. You know, We'll have those varsity guys run bases when the JV's playing defense, and they've really got to press and, and get the ball over to first base in time to get those guys out. So... In turn, that makes them better as, as ball players as well. I'm a little bit interested in the throwing program. Is it similar to the, like the Jagger long toss, and then but at the end they come back in and they either throw like a flat ground at 60 feet just to end it, and or a bullpen? Is that how that works? Well, what we do, for example, week one, um, we we let those guys. We don't have a, I guess, an army type regimen as far as how you get loose to get to 90 feet. We do tell them that once they get to, uh, or before they get to 90 feet, they need to play catch if they're a pitcher with a changeup. We have our guys throw changeups as they're getting loose to 90 feet. So week one, uh, Monday, we've got two groups. We've got an A group and a B group, and it's just A, B. It's not the best and then the second best. Uh, we try to sprinkle our number one in the A group, our number two in the B group, and just back and forth it. So Monday, group one would go, uh, they'll get loose, and then at 90 feet, they'll go 10 throws at 90 feet, 8 throws at 120 feet, 8 throws at 180 feet, and 8 throws of long toss. And that's if they are able to get to that distance soreness-wise. <laughs> if they're not, we'll cut them back. But uh, they work themselves back in. So after long toss, they'll come back 4 throws at 180, 4 throws at 120, 4 throws at 90, and then they'll do their flat ground at 60 foot 6 inches a 20-pitch flat ground, and that's just all fastballs. On that flat ground, what they'll do is we don't let them, and this is from Walton, uh, they have to hit three three times in a row on the same side of the plate. So if they're going fastball glove side, they've got to go three times in a row to glove side before they can move to the other side. And some guys, the first couple days, will spend all day trying to throw three in a row early on, three in a row to the glove side of the plate before they alternate their spot. After their flat ground is done, this is what uh, I picked up from Walton, is that he has them do a cool down. So after their, after their flat ground, they stretch it back out to about 100, 115, 20 feet, and they have about 10 to 12 throws on a line at 100 to 120 feet, and then they're done throwing uh, as far as pitching for the day. You know, we increase each, each distance throw, I think that first week of bullpen, so Monday and Tuesdays are flat grounds for both groups. They'll throw, they'll throw Mondays and Tuesday flat ground. Wednesdays, we do a free throw day. They can go a minimum of 120 feet on their throws when they do that. So we make them at least throw to 120 feet that day. There's no flat ground or no bullpen. It kind of lets their arm rest a little bit and recuperate 
And then Thursday, the first group will actually have a, a bullpen day, and the second group will do a flat ground, and then they switch on, on Friday. The, uh, the first group will do a flat ground, and the second group will do a bullpen. And that first bullpen for us, they'll do 10 throws at 90 feet, 8 at 120, 8 at 180, 6 long tosses, 4 at 180, 4 at 120, 4 at 90. And then they'll come in and they'll throw a 10-pitch flat ground. All of our flat grounds and bullpens that first couple weeks, we don't let them switch sides of the plate until they locate it three times in a row on that side. So even when they're throwing their 10-pitch flat ground, you know they'll come in and they'll hit that three spots in a row before they move to the other side. And then we'll go a 27-pitch bullpen. And it's an odd number because we want to end on a fastball, but we go three fastballs, and they've got to go three fastballs in a row to that spot, um, and then they'll go three change-ups. And then when they come back to their fastball, if they didn't hit their three spots in a row in their fastball, they've got to go back to the same side of the plate before they can go to the other side of the plate. It develops location, 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 <laughs> kind of the, the key to pitching for, for most high school guys, being able to throw strikes. And uh, we really have those guys dial in on a, on, a, on a side of the plate, outer half, inner half. And, uh, you know, in college it's a little more fine. They've got to hit – a certain area, uh, we just try to get them to get it to that side of the plate uh, early on, and then we kind of fine-tune it. But three fastballs, three change-ups, alternating back and forth and, until they get to 27, and then they back back out and do their 10 to 12 throws uh, on a line and then go from there. But that's that first week, and then each week it just increases. The second week of bullpens is 35 pitches, and we introduce the breaking ball that second week, a very light load of breaking ball. That third week, they go into throwing a short pin on Monday for group one. It's a 22-pitch short bullpen, uh, fastball, breaking ball, changeup. And then their, their pin later that week uh, goes up to 46 pit pitches for that bullpen. All pitches are live, obviously. And then the fourth week of our, pro, our throwing program is the last week. And they won't throw a bullpen on Monday, but they'll their increase. Our starters will go 60 pitches on their bullpen at the end of that fourth week, and that kind of finishes up our throwing program and uh, takes us pretty much. We don't start on December 1st usually because of football. The last few years we've been playing into December, and I let those guys have a, a time off after football to, before we get going into baseball. And so we usually start this throwing program around the end of December depending on the holiday, 1st of January, whenever we get started, and kind of go from there. But uh, it usually takes us right up to the point where we're, we are ready to start having those guys throw live inner squads or scrimmages uh, live against hitters, and they're ready to go. I love that, and I can attest to uh, Coach Walton. I mean, uh, he's one of the best, if not the best pitching coaches in the country. And Absolutely. And- I mean, he's everything that he does. And, you know, I'm Boomer Sooner, but he and, and Coach Holiday have it going on up there and they do things right. And, and funny story about I, the first year he was actually, uh, in Oak, well, as an Oklahoma state assistant. Uh, we were playing summer ball and I was coaching a summer team, uh, Oklahoma travelers. And, and so we had this just guy who just looked like a dad, you know, older guy that, sure. that came into the dugout and, and he was like, Hey, can I have a, can I have a roster? And, you know, I was like, well, you know, sure. And this guy's in, in flip flops and khaki shorts and, <laughs> and this uh, bucket hat, this camo orange and like gray bucket hat with these big old glasses on. And, and I was like, well, you, you know, sure. And, 
And uh, and then we had another kid. His name was Brendan McCurry and ended up playing for him for a couple of years. Sure. And, and he was like, hey, Coach Walton. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is <laughs> this is Coach Walton. You, he looks like a like a history professor. Absolutely. So that, I mean, just the nicest guy. But yeah, he's if I wish he would put out more stuff because he is he is really, really good at what he does. He protects a lot of arms. And so I you know, he's he's definitely a grower of the game. I mean, he's yeah, he's a great dude, and you would not know. Yeah, that's what we tell our guys all the time. You never know who's going to be there to watch, and and you couldn't pick Coach Walton uh, out of a crowd because he kind of likes to. I think he probably kind of likes to be incognito, and he's a quieter guy. But yeah, everything that I've heard him talk about, he came and spoke at uh at our coaches clinic one year, and then he's talked to our Oklahoma City Baseball Coaches Association uh, one night, and it was the most prepared presentation I've maybe ever seen. And it was for about 30 guys in a room at, at a high school cafeteria. And he had handouts for everybody. He had photographs about different arms and different angles and all these things. And it was just pure science taken to another level. Uh, and I can see why he's so successful and, and their program's been so successful with him and Josh there. No, and he took a, a, a kind of a step down. I mean, he was the, the head coach at ORU and then, you know, went to Oklahoma State to be the pitcher coach and coach's son. So that's. That speaks a lot about his, you know, personality as well. Yeah, absolutely. He's a, I think he's the best in the biz. Um, <laughs> he he does a great job with their staff. This throwing program, and the reason we got on it is because, you know, he talked about how they'll take guys all the time that are 88 to 86, 88, and really, really athletic, and that's the guys that they like to recruit. And uh, you know, we've been fortunate to have some of those guys. Um, and it kind of matches. We've got some athletic kids that, that uh, maybe aren't pitchers, but we put them on this throwing program and, and the below just increases because they're just working all the time on their craft and probably helps them a little bit more because they're pitchers only and they can just concentrate on that and they can work a little bit harder um, with their arm uh, at the college level. They're a little more mature, physically able to, to work like they, they, like they do. And uh, it was very successful for them. It's been successful for them, and I'm sure it's something he's used for a long time, and it's really been successful for us. We uh, we had some guys jump. Well, the fan soccer kid, his sophomore year was pitching at about 83, and between his sophomore and junior year, he got up to 87, 88, and then 88 to 90 this year, 91, popped 92, 93. But we've had a lot of guys make some significant four- or five-mile-an-hour jumps to put them from 78, 79 to 84, 85. And that's a huge difference in in college baseball or high school baseball, anywhere you're at. Uh, 84, 85 is, is hard. Um, you see the TV and the, and the guns blowing up at 96, 97 all the time on TV. But, I mean, 85 miles an hour, <laughs> that's hard. And uh, when we can get guys to make those jumps using our throwing program, we feel like, with the strength and conditioning we do and, and in the throwing program, we've seen some really, really good results from it. So sticking on the subject of uh, things that you like, what is the latest thing that you learned that you're really excited about? First off, the, the thing I've learned, I learned a lot this year uh, from our own team and from our own coaching staff about maybe just, you know, some different things we need to maybe try to do as far as throughout the year, our routine, maybe amp up the player-led uh, side of things, um, we kind of we kind of learned that about ourselves, and that alone was exciting. Um, just to just to kind of 
get back. We, we kind of have a plan in action already for next year as far as, you know, what we're going to do with our, with our, with our leaders and, and how they're going to be responsible for some things and, and, and how to control, uh, some things throughout the year and, and some decisions we make and offensive philosophies and stuff like that. So we learned a lot about ourselves this year, um, not because we lost in the state finals, because it's hard enough just to get there. <laughs> some of these guys that are in our program, the juniors about to be seniors, have not played in anything but a state finals baseball game. Maybe to them, they don't understand how hard it is to get there. I played a long time and never made it to the state finals. I've played for a lot of coaches, and there are a lot of coaches that haven't been to the state finals that are really, really good coaches. So not just because of that, but just because we saw some things throughout the year that we thought, you know, if we had kind of talked about this earlier in the year, maybe some things would have been different. So I think you can just kind of sit down at the end of each year and kind of learn some things from yourself and from your own program and, and look at some and, and get some feedback on from your from your seniors that graduated. We do that every year. We've got preseason meetings every year uh, where they sit down and they write their goals down, our individual and team goals. And we don't let them write down, we want to go undefeated or we want to win state. I mean, that that's obviously a goal for everybody. We make them kind of think outside the box. And then at the end of the year, we kind of meet with our seniors and, and, and try to break down the year and, and talk about it with them if we can and try to learn from ourselves. So that's one thing that we're excited about is just learning from our own thing. A lot of things I learn are from other high school coaches in Oklahoma. We've got great coaches. and. You know, some of us are in a group message together and we talk about things all the time about drills that we do and, oh, I'd like to do that. And and there's a lot of things that I've just kind of learned from, from other people, uh, other drills that, that, that they use at practice. And I, I think I want to do that. And uh, one thing I picked up during the season, though, was I'd never seen it before. We're playing Edmund Santa Fe and uh, it was the last regular season game of the year, just kind of a tune-up game before we got into the playoffs for both teams. And we just uh, we threw some of our starters, and they went shorter outings just to get some more guys in-game work that needed it. And uh, every time we made a pitching change, I kind of noticed if they had a runner on, he was taking a lead. As the pitcher's warming up, he's taking a lead every time he throws a pitch and working on a jump, whether it be a steel jump or a secondary lead jump. He's working right then during warm-ups on getting a good jump on the pitch. And I was like... I've, I've, I've honestly, maybe I haven't paid attention, but I haven't seen that anywhere. And uh, he, Ryan Phillips at Santa Fe, he does a great job over there. He's a good friend of mine. But he, uh, the pitching coordinator for the Dodgers, Oklahoma City Dodgers, um, his son plays at Santa Fe. And that's something that he picked up from Coach Andrews is his name. And uh, he picked that up from him, and I picked it up from him. And I'm anxious to kind of implement that into our thing and how we do things and kind of make it my own and, and how we do it. So that's something particular that, you know, we, we stress a lot about base running and making good decisions on the bases. And, and that's, I think, something that can help our guys kind of get locked in and be ready to go as soon as that reliever toes the rubber instead of trying to get his timing down in between, you know, that first one or two pitches. Maybe we're ready to go on the first pitch uh, out of warm-up. So that's something cool that I thought that I'm excited to, to work on with our guys. Yeah, that's great. That's actionable. That's practical. And that's something that, that I've never seen as well. And it's something that's so simple that it makes you go, what, why was I not doing this? So that's sure. great. Thank you for sharing that with us. Well, and it was the, you know, I thought it was, it was their best player over there doing it. And I was like, this guy's a stud. <laughs> I mean, he is nonstop working and 
and it just so happens that was like the first base runner that had been on in the fourth inning of the game, and, it's, and we made a pitching change. But I was like, man, um, that's pretty cool, and I like that. So it was it was definitely neat to pick up. So let me flip the question around now and ask you, what's something that you used to do or that you used to think that was true, but you've recently or just have changed your mind about? Something you hear all the time with the kids nowadays. Before I took the job, you know, all I heard was the kids nowadays, they're they're soft. They're not as hard-nosed as they used to be. And, you know, I think that I've completely went against, I, I'm completely against that. I think that if you push your guys and show them respect and treat them like a, a, a young man, they will work as hard as you will work them. Um, they want to be worked. Good players want to be pushed to a limit. And I haven't had any issues with a soft generation of kids, especially going into an Oklahoma City private school where I really was expe- expecting some, some different things. And then I find out that these guys, you know, they, they want to work harder than, than anybody I've seen sometimes at the college level. Uh, and it's just all about a preconceived notion that, that, you know, kids are soft nowadays. That's not the case, I don't think. I think that we let them be soft as coaches sometimes. And uh, if you really get after them and challenge them, you know, have them set goals and work towards them and really just mentally challenge them, but not just get all over them, pick them up when, after you do. Uh, if you have to get on a kid, go back and pick him up and, and talk to him. We make sure that all of our coaches are instructed, uh, and I tell them, you know, day one we remind guys that if you jump on a kid about something before he leaves the park that day, you got to go back and talk to him and, and explain and, and get back on the same page and leave leave on a good note that day. Make sure he doesn't leave the park upset at you or thinking he's trash or or anything like that because we don't want those kids thinking that. And I think that has a lot to do with why our kids play hard for us and 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 go after it every day. So that'd be something. No, I love that. That's awesome. So what are some of your favorite resources that you guys use? I'm a big YouTube guy. <laughs> I uh, If I'm looking for something, I'll YouTube and I'll watch 30 videos on something trying to figure out what I want to do with that or pick up drills. I'll get on Instagram and I follow a guy, the, catcher, the catching guy, I think is his name on catching. I think that everything pretty much starts behind the plate. So I do a lot. I spend a lot of time working with our catchers and um, trying to develop them into leaders. And I pick up a lot of stuff on social media. Steve, um, I can't remember his name, the guy that does the hitting. Steve Springer. I don't subscribe to any of his stuff. I've never watched one of his videos, but I love his tweets and his um, lingo that he uses. And we really, you know, we don't necessarily set up the quality at bats chart or anything like that. But we talk about quality at bats and how important they are, and and throw the average away, and hit the ball hard, and and kind of instill that attitude. So I really enjoy that. And then I pick up a lot of stuff just by picking up the phone and calling. I'll be honest, one of my best friends, I played base, I played with him at Oklahoma State, uh, Keenan Simon. He just won his first state championship at uh, Mustang this year for Class Six A in Oklahoma. Uh, they they won the state championship this year and. And he and I got in coaching the same year. We were both first-year head coaches. We both had not had head coaching jobs. And we have kind of just, we talk all the time about what do you do in this? What do you do? How do you, what are you talking to your players about when they do this? And and uh, we really rely on each other to kind of push each other. And 
and get ideas from each other. When we scrimmage in the fall, or I mean, not in the fall, but in the early uh, spring, we we take our scrimmage and at the end of our scrimmage, we set up live situations and and go out on the field and coach how to cover this play, and we'll we'll run our plays against them. They'll run out their plays against us. You know, maybe they're first and third plays. And then we end up stealing each other's stuff. <laughs> so um, it's it's pretty cool to have a guy like that that we kind of keep each other, I guess you would say, up to date on, on what's new or what they've learned. Or, hey, I saw something that I think you got you would really like. And uh, we talk all the time. And then just other coaches uh, around the state. There's a lot of coaches in Oklahoma that will, if you just pick up the phone and call, you can ask them anything, and they'll tell you just about anything you want to hear other than, you know, who they're throwing that day. So <laughs> um, uh, it's pretty good network. If you if you get out and just meet guys and, and talk to guys, uh can really benefit you as a coach. And for young coaches getting in the game, that'd be a piece of advice to, to for them. Just network yourself and, and, and talk to guys and meet guys and, and be classy when you lose because uh, you want to be able to pick up the phone and, and call that guy and him not, you know, him answer it and, and help you out. So I learned a lot from other guys. Well, you set it up for my perfect final question. Okay. So what do you wish you had known before you got your first head coaching job? And I'm really curious because you said you hadn't been a coach at all before this. So tell us what you learned or what you wish you had known. I wish I had known how many phone calls I would get a day. Uh, <laughs> scheduling, that can be challenging. Um, putting together a schedule for, and I'm fortunate that I just have a varsity and a JV. Uh, there's some programs around the state that have, you know, a varsity, three JVs, a sophomore and a freshman team scheduling, making sure umpires are there, you know, getting the field ready. That's a lot to do with it. I'm fortunate enough that I work, uh, on the, I take care of the fields at heritage hall as my day job. I don't teach. So I get the field ready a little <laughs> easier than most, but, uh, that's a lot to do with it. You know, you spend a lot of time with uh, kids that want to work extra. Um, and you also, one thing I probably didn't realize was how much time they've got to have to spend having a social life and having academic time, uh, time to, to study, especially at, at the school I'm at. We're very demanding of our students as far as in the classroom and, uh, it takes a lot of time away from away from the field to be able to keep up and just basically the time management. Uh, I wish I would have known how much time it actually is, not just coaching baseball, but the other things that go into it, meetings and, and meetings with your AD and, and, you know, phone calls that you get from kids and, and uh, all those different things about how much of an impact you make on these kids and how much time you will spend talking to him. Not that I have any regrets about it. I'll spend, I probably get in trouble by my fiance because I'm, I'm at the field way too much with my guys. Uh, but you know, it's all worth it. And I would say the thing I didn't know is really what all goes into coaching outside of just practice and games. Awesome. Well, coach Draper, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, where can we find you online in case anybody wants to get in touch with you? I am on Twitter. I am at Drape, capital D-R-A-P-11, uh, on Twitter. Uh, our baseball Twitter for Heritage Hall is at The Hall Baseball. The Hall Baseball. And uh, it, we kind of, 
we do a lot of social media stuff. We try to push the kids on social media. They, they love that stuff. And uh, anytime we get a chance to broadcast our student athletes awards they've gotten, or we post a box score after games each day, just so they get excited when they see that, you know, the newspapers kind of become almost irrelevant. Uh, it's online now. So, you know, if they see their name on Twitter that they did well in the game, they think that, you know, they're awesome. And, <laughs> and so we, uh, we spend a lot of time on social media tweeting those guys out and, and boosting their confidence, and, and they get excited about that stuff. I could really care less about it, but they get pretty excited about it. So, well, That's awesome. Anything that uh, you can get them excited about, I'm sure that you're, you're all in on. Yeah, absolutely. It's about those kids, so uh, that's the best part of it, seeing them, seeing them excited about things. Anything else that you would like to tell our listeners before you go? No, enjoy it. Uh, you know, enjoy those guys because, uh, you know, as, as all of us coaches know, um, it's a, it's a grind all year and, uh, you spend a lot of time doing it make sure you enjoy it while you're doing it. Don't, don't get too wrapped up where you're just, uh, you know, worrying all the time, trying to relax and enjoy things and, and make things exciting each day for the kids and, and your coaching staff as well. I'd like to thank my coaching staff. First off, uh, Jordan Seymour is our pitching coach, like I mentioned. John Dobbs and and Casey Brown. And then Joe Wheeler has just helped out. He's a senior on our first state championship team, and he's uh, wanted to get back in the program, and he's helping us out as well now. And so uh, we just try to try to make it fun for our coaches every day, our kids every day, and just enjoy it because uh, you know it, it can it can wear you down or and, and take a lot of energy from you if you allow it to, but uh, just you know, try to keep that, that positive mindset all year. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. If you'd like to get in touch with me or view the show notes, you can find all of that information on our website at aotcpodcast.com. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review to help others find and stay ahead of the curve.